Welcome to the 193rd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When the brothers Keith and Lindsay Johnson were looking for a little bit of land to launch a grass-based livestock operation on, they didn't need or could afford hundreds of acres of prime Midwestern real estate. So they felt quite fortunate when a farmer from their neighborhood in west-central Minnesota's Sibley County offered to sell them 50 acres of a 160-acre farm. Since they bought that 50 acres a few years ago, the Johnsons, who are graduates of LSP's Farm Beginnings Program, have set to work converting the row crop land to perennial forages so they can produce sheep and beef using a rotational grazing system. Meanwhile, they're raising corn and soybeans on their parents' 360 acres of farmland nearby. Their ultimate goal is to transition into a farming system less based on annual row crops and more on perennial plant systems such as grasses and forbs. Making this transition has raised some eyebrows in a neighborhood that is very much dominated by corn and soybeans and where many farmers tore out their livestock fences long ago. But the Farm Beginnings course brought the Johnsons in contact with other farmers who were going against the grain from an agronomic as well as business management and marketing point of view. This network of innovative farmers is giving them the confidence to move ahead with their plans. Keith, who worked a variety of jobs in the western U.S. before returning to farming a decade ago, says his farm beginnings training has also helped him narrow his interests and not be so tempted to take on more enterprises than his family can handle. These days, Keith and his wife Anna are already direct marketing lamb and beef produced on those 50 acres and are experimenting with ways to extend their grazing season and add value to the products they raise. They've also acquired an extra 10 acres of land to raise livestock on. I recently visited Sibley County and talked to Keith and Anna about how valuable it was to have a farmer from the neighborhood support them in gaining access to land in the midst of corn and soybean country, and how their educational backgrounds, Keith has a bachelor's degree in electronics engineering and Anna a doctorate in plant pathology, has helped them in launching an agricultural business. Keith, one of the things we had talked about was you, when you and your brother Lindsay were looking at maybe getting more into setting up a pasture-based system and doing some other things with your farming, that you had a, a really great opportunity where a neighbor offered to sell you, I guess, well, in total, you both bought 50 acres, but each got 25 acres. And we're in the middle of corn and soybean country here where the farms are getting bigger and bigger, and it's very hard to find small parcels like that. Tell me, talk a little bit about how valuable that was for you guys as beginning farmers to get access to something that was that was uh, less than, I guess, 500 acres or even 100 acres. Yeah, I mean, that was just super instrumental right right here in the corn area and stuff, especially with the high corn price and high land prices. As, as a beginner farmer, you know, there's just no way we could afford, you know, even an 80 acre, 160 acre or anything. So really a neighbor just out of the goodness of his heart divided that off for us in that way. So we're just really thankful for that, and that is really what helped us get a kickstart and going. If somebody like you hadn't bought it, it probably would have just been, you know, building store down and put into more corn and beans. That's kind of the trend in the area. Yeah, I mean, you you see that all all over in this area. You know, a bigger farmer buys it up, and the dozer comes, and it's just all just cornrows by the next year. So, I mean, we were just really thankful of that, and perhaps part of the reason that he sold that to us is just, you know, that was the place that he grew up on and he didn't want to see that happen and you know we're we're utilizing you know that where my, my brother lives there and he's utilizing the house and the shed and the barns and stuff and uh, you know I, I think he just wanted to to see a young person get started 
and you know, just to utilize those buildings in that farm place that he grew up on. Can you just give me a little background on what you guys are doing with it? You're, you've kind of established a grazing, a little bit of grazing on it. I know your brother's experimenting with some cover crops, but kind of what you're doing with the, these parcels that you got. Yeah, with, with the actual parcels we got, we've put a perimeter fence all the way around it, and we're still working on some of the final cross fencing of it. But yeah, we've, we've turned it entirely into a grazing operation which almost sticks out like a sore thumb in this area because everything is just corn and soybeans for miles and miles and then all of a sudden there's a fence and rotational grazing operation. One thing you guys had mentioned is when you had taken this land and put it into pasture and was kind of planting this diversity of, of, uh, of seed and, and getting kind of that perennial system coming back. You kind of, it sounds like you kind of saw the land kind of come back to life a little bit. It had been in corn and beans for so many years, but even you talked about seeing more bees and, and that kind of thing. It sounds like the, it, it was fun to see over the first couple of years it kind of came back to life a little bit. Yeah, you could see we had a, uh, one, one little strip in particular that was the very first strip that Keith planted. Um, and the next year he planted another little strip. Um, and then the following year, another little strip, and you could just look back at the pastures, and the first strip that he planted had gotten to be a nice dark green and just looked really, really nice. And the next strip was just a little bit lighter, and then the newest strip was kind of pale and, you know, a little spotty, but, you know, still coming. And But it's all it's all improved and gotten to, gotten, yeah, just probably probably to waking up the soil life, um, getting that reestablished is what really probably made that, you know, that's probably why the first one was greener and, you know, progressively, yeah. I got progressively greener the older it was, I guess. You guys took farm beginnings uh, back in, I think, 2012, 2013, that, that period. What was it that you, you felt that you got that was most valuable for you coming out of that class? Uh, what, what did you, now that you're a few years down the road in, in your farming dream here? You know, there, it was probably a couple of things, maybe the, the main thing for uh, me and my brother is just to just to focus and funnel our ideas. You're young and full energy and just a big fan of big fan out of just a heap of different ideas and things you'd like to pursue. But it just, just really having having a solid goal in mind, uh, really developing who you are, what what your talents are, you know, what what you're the best at, what, what you want to pursue. And then once once you really have a goal in mind, you can work towards that. The other thing I got out of the Farm Beginnings class was uh, just the networking opportunities places I could go for egg for education for help on people that had done it before me so I mean just the funneling it down to goals and just the education I think that's a really good point because when you're young and energetic you really want to do everything you see but you it sounds like you were able to kind of like you said funnel that down a little bit yeah I mean I you just had so many ideas going into it and you know we just decided to just really focus on the rotational grazing and the sheep operation and I, I think that's probably what what has the most chance of making a success is that you know we're not just trying to chase everything and if you chase too many things then you just end up getting nothing done so i think you know since we've just really focused on the grazing side of it you know i, th- I think that that's just really helped us out a lot you have a degree in electrical engineering anna has a phd in plant pathology and when you guys said you wanted to farm people are like oh well, that's a waste of your college degree, but you guys feel pretty strongly that, in fact, it's not a waste of your college degree, even though you maybe don't have degrees directly in agriculture or agronomy. But I, I think that was, I think that's a really good point that, you know, people have this attitude that, oh, well, if you can't do anything else, you're going to farm. But you, you really look at it differently about how you're using, you can use these degrees and, and all of that. Yeah, there's just so many 
there's so much to farming. The farther you get into it, you look into just grazing sheep. Like it's not just putting sheep out on grass. It's the different plants, the different plant compositions, the managing the plants and managing the sheep at the same time. Um, the if yeah, if all farmers had their PhD, farming would look a lot different. It's um, you can you can always follow someone else's formula for here's a bag of feed, but when you're doing it all yourself, like you're balancing your own ration through the pasture, just data collection to figure out what works best. There's just so much that you can learn and discover and do your own experiments and know how to set up experiments and data collect and yeah, just, <laughs> just everything. For more on LSP's Farm Beginnings program, see farmbeginnings.org. You can read a profile of Keith and Anna Johnson in the number 2, 2017 edition of the Land Stewardship Letter. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members, who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.